but that's life. Love so I, I accept the award. Handler owners, Ryan Burke, the trainer that made it what you did. We welcome you to Post Time with Mike and Mike's live coverage of the 2018 Harness Racing Hall of Fame Dinner live from Goshen, New York. Here's your host for the evening, Roger Houston. I know you think you're having fun tonight, but you haven't really had fun in your life until you've participated in the Billings Amateur Series. Here now to tell us about the best of that bunch from last year is Museum's 2015 Amateur Driving Champion and Museum Trustee, Steve Oldford. Thank you, Roger. And if you saw the amateur races yesterday, you would see how much fun it really is. I'll tell you what, both races were neck and neck, right down to the wire. Roger actually had to poll the uh, audience in the stands to determine the winner. But, the, but winners there were, and we had a lot of fun doing it. I was lucky enough to be one of them. And speaking of winners, uh, the person that I have the honor to introduce put huge amounts of effort in... 2015, 16, and 17 into amateur racing. Her devotion was unprecedented, and, and her record speaks for it. Three consistent years with UDR over 400. In 2016, she rep represented the United States in the, in the uh, uh, National Amateur Racing Championship in Budapest, came, coming in second uh, with, a, with a breathtaking finish right down to the last race. It, it, it was truly remarkable. She's been the Billings Point Championship winner for a number of years, winning the Gold Cup in 2016. Having traveled internationally with her, she's a role model for, for the youth movement uh, as, as the young people flock to her, and, and we saw it in Italy looking for signatures and... Uh, uh, as, as the rest of us stood by and watched. Very, very entertaining. Hannah is currently works for Kinetic Vet Services as an equine, equine specialist. I am very pleased to introduce Hannah Miller as a 2018 Museum Recipient of Amateur Driver of the Year. I just want to say thank you to my family and everyone that has supported me. I have so much fun driving. It has been a blast. I have moved over to the animal health side of everything, but I will be back on the track shortly, and I really look forward to it. I want to say congratulations to all tonight's honorees, and thank you for everything. 
before I continue on, I got to tell a little story. I don't know if, if anybody can remember a movie that I'm not sure whether it was a USTA or HTA, but it was Stan Bergstein. We made a movie at Pompano Park that was called This Is movie at clubs and organizations and everything for a number of years, but there was a video of a qualifying race showing a much taller Delvin Miller, or at least his colors, but to my knowledge, it was the first drive in the United States by Hoke and Walner at Pompano Park, a qualifier wearing Delvin Miller's colors in the movie this is harness racing. I could tell you some other stories about Hoke and Walner, but uh, see me after the dinner. At one time I had to say at Delaware, <laughs> Jan, you might even remember this. I don't know. He was sitting third and locked in, was not going to get out. I said, and for the second time in 24 hours, Hoke and Walner's locked in jail and can't get out. He came home from the horse sale and uh, got arrested by the uh, county sheriff's department. He was one hell of a guy. Gone but never forgotten. That's the legacy of our mental, immortal members of the Hall of Fame. Their contributions to the sport are significant and will always be remembered. Being inducted as an immortal this year is Hoken Walner. Sean Wiles standing in for Joe Mendel's to the family members and representatives of Hoke and Walner. Good evening, all. Hoke and Walner, entrepreneur, pioneer, innovator, visionary. These are a few of the words that describe Hawk and Walner. It was not uncommon to find the charismatic and globe-trotting Walner traversing the Atlantic Ocean and the Concord to keep up with his hectic pace. In 1978, he made 19 transatlantic trips on the Concord. He was the, the Swedish version of James Bond. It was through his vision and efforts that he raised Sweden's bar of ra racing and breeding to an international level, and he is regarded as Swedish, Sweden's greatest trotting ambassador. With his keen foresight, he paved the way and slammed open the door for European and Scandinavian horse trading, importing numerous stallions and broodmares to Sweden, Italy, France, Denmark, and Finland, forever altering the breeding with the influx of the fresh American bloodlines throughout the European trotting landscape. Hawken was fortunate enough to have crossed paths early in his years and forged a lifelong relationship with one of Sweden's top drivers, Bernd Lindstedt. Bernd joined the Walner stable when he was 30 and was Continental Farms' primary driver on both sides of the ocean. Hawken ventured out on his own and opened his own stable in 1963. It was also during this time that Hawken started to purchase American bred trotters to export to Sweden. He quickly found success with Dart Hanover, winner of the 1972 Elite Lop and 1973 Prix de Marique. Then came the dashing son of Neville Pride, Pershing, winner of the 1979 Elite Lop, and multiple other European Grand Circuit events. This success vaulted, vaulted Walner and Lindstedt to the pinnacle of European trotting fame, but Hawkins saw a new horizon 
and he set his sights on America. Hawken made another addition along the way to his stable, a young reserve Swede by the name of Jan Johnson. Long before multitasking was a word, Jan had already mastered it and was honing his craft by supervising the horde of day-to-day logistics and operations of Continental Farms. Continental Farms USA was started by Hawken Walner, Bernd Linstead, and Jan Johnson in 1975 with seven horses and owners Jürgen Yare Jr., K.G. Bertmark, and Ulf Mulberg while at the same time maintaining a stable in Sweden. Hawken quickly earned the respect of his American colleagues and it wasn't long before the familiar blue, red, and white, blue, black, and white colors of Continental Farms quickly started showing up in the winter circles across America in greater frequency. For too long, he was training 40 to 60 horses, and this peaked to over 120 horses in the mid-80s. In his career, Hawken had won just about every prestigious race in America and Europe, the Hamiltonian, the Prix de Marique, the Elite Lop, and the International. His horses amassed numerous world records, divisional honors, and seasons record. A partial list of his top performers include Yankee Glide, Armbro Goal, Royal Prestige, Super Gill, his all-time favorite Winkies Gill, and workaholic, and the list goes on. Hawken also paved the way for other Scandinavian horsemen to come to the United States and compete at the sport's highest level. This list includes Soren, Jan Nordin, Jimmy Tactor, Per Erickson, Per Hendrickson, Stefan Melander, and Pekka Corpy. Collectively, this group combined has nine Hamiltonian wings amongst them. Hawken was a superb motivator and could maximize the potential from his horses and his caretakers alike. Many of us grooms in the Continental Farm at the time were just kids, myself included. Much like the yearlings we were rubbing, we were green and immature in life, but we all share the same common denominator, the profound mutual respect for Hawken. He did not talk to us. He did not talk down to us. He talked to us. He inspired us. He motivated us and appreciated our hard work that we put in. In the late 1980s, Hawken pursued another chapter in his career and moved to Italy, where he once again successfully reinvented himself. Hawken passed away on January 20th, 2001. It was inducted to the Swedish Hall of Fame in 2015. It gives me great pleasure to bring up Hawken's family and introduce him as the newest member of the Immortal Trotting Hall of Fame. Thank you.
It's time to hear from our newest Hall of Famers. You introduce the young lady that's going to be awarded here tonight, Russell Williams. Would you come forward, please, for the introduction? On behalf of the 17,000 members of the United States Trotting Association, I extend congratulations to all of tonight's honorees. Margareta. Under manga ors, tid har du bygt upp travsporten på två olika kontinenter. I'm going to be a couple of minutes here. Du har gjort min amarstuteri legendarisk inom travvalden. I det arbetet har du visat klokskap och komod, innovationsförmåga och ett sinne för humor. Men du har också en speciell kraft som alla talar om som att träffa dig. Den kraften är vänlighet. Din vänlighet har lust upp många människors liv, hästars liv och andra djurs liv. Vår sport är vänligare och ljusare tack vare dig. I denna Hall of Fame återfinns de människor som har lyckats uppnå det som alla strävar efter att nå. När du nu placeras i denna plats för storyteller. Over the years, you have built up the trotting sport on two continents. You have made Menhamar Stuteri legendary in the trotting world. Doing this, you have shown wisdom and courage, innovation, and a sense of humor. But you have a special power. Everyone who meets you speaks of this. It is the power of kindness. Your kindness has brightened many people's lives, many horses' lives, and the other animals as well. Our sport is kinder and brighter thanks to you. In this Hall of Fame are the people who have achieved what we all hope to achieve. As you enter this place of greatness, we say, welcome home, Margareta. John, there we go. go One, two, three. <laughs> is, that, <laughs> is that okay? Yeah. Okay. You're fine. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. Oh, ladies and gentlemen, dear friends, I'm so honored and very proud to be sitting here tonight as a fresh Hall of Famer. Thank you very, very much. All of us here 
have one thing in common. We love horses and we regard it as it a privilege to work with horses, either good or bad ones. And we love them. I think we can all agree to that. Horses and the interest for horses have a great impact on us. Hilarious and good days and somewhat life-saving and bad days. I have experienced both. There is always something to look forward for tomorrow, next week, next race, and so on. And there are two very, very useful words that is used by most of the horsemen. If not. If not, it's a very special saying for horsemen. Horses have been a great part of my life for more than six, 70 years. And what you don't know is that my special love for horses actually began when I was only six years old and we lived in the city. My mother had sent me to get some milk from a store next door. And when I stepped out of the door from our house, I heard a terrible noise. And I saw this poor, huge, broken horse being brutally beaten by a screaming driver, a very drunk and very angry man who could not get the horse going. Something happened inside of me, and I became a real people long stopping. I um, went up, grabbed the, the, the guy, and showed him the horse and pointed out that the horse could not move as his legs were, were tied together. And I, um, it was some kind like that time's handbrake. And I demanded him to stop immediately. Out of pure surprise, he stopped beating the horse. And he looked very ashamed. At that moment, I was so happy to have saved the horse, at least in that moment. And I felt something very strong starting to grow inside of me. You can't and you shouldn't beat a defenseless animal. No way. Well, 70 years ago, 1947, my father bought a farm outside the country. And uh, I was only 10 then, and I was allowed to live with stallions, mares, baby foal ceilings. And you know what that does to somebody. Since then, the farm has produced close to 3,000 babies. And the last one we got about five um, hours ago, number 83 this year. And that was a coat by uh, Maradia and uh, Giant Diablo. And I might tell you that he will be for sale. Over the years, I had so much fun with my horses, and I had the pleasure of working with so many fantastic people and for fantastic organizations in the harness world, both on the breeding, on the racing, and the betting side. I've learned a lot, and I also hope I have contributed to all sides. 
being the best breeder in Sweden with the most money-winning red horses for the last 11 years in a row is nothing you can do by yourself. My heartfelt thank you to Johan, where, where are you there? And you have to tell everybody working for us that and I'm also happy for if I had not met the owners of Stoner Creek and the breeders of the Speedy Spot Yelling Philly Eagle Assy that I bought in 1947 at the Yelling Sale in Kentucky, my American connection would probably have looked quite different. $12,500 for her was the best investment I ever did. A long-lasting friendship with the Johnson family and the Hall of Famer, Norman Woodward, introduced me to so many nice sports people, and I'm happy to see some of you here today. The, friend, the friendly partnership Norman and I entered in 1978 with a handshake over a handwritten contract for the lease of Sutsut as a stallion stud in Sweden, lasted until 2003 when Norman passed away. For 20 years or so, we uh, both honored the handwritten contract with no discussions at all and with no lawyer-based bills to pay. During those years, we also enjoyed many stars being bred, both and, and raised at Stony Creek and Manhammer. Since many years, I'm now also the proud owner of the beautiful horse farm, Stoner Creek in Kentucky, which I was allowed to buy for the same price as a construction company had offered. So I could save the farm from being demolished by bulldozers and caterpillars, and Norman was very happy. Since 20 years now, the farm is being leased by Cindy and Steve Stewart under the name of Armstrong Farm at Stoner Creek. And the farm is very well taken care of, and they have done very well at the sale so far, and I wish them all the luck in the future. Being here tonight is the result of a fantastic combination of American and Swedish friends and horsemanship through the years. And I'm very proud and very thankful to all of you that voted for me. Thank you. I do hope I can fulfill what is expected for me as a Hall of Famer. And being the first woman with this title, I hope I can also be an inspiration to all girls and young women out there. Yes, we women can. Margareta, I have the honor to present you with a pendant as the Harness Racing Hall of Fame, Margareta Wallenius Playbird. Congratulations.
I'm happy to report we are seven minutes ahead of schedule. It's time now for the dinner break, and we'll be back shortly. You'll be served momentarily. Welcome to Post Time with Mike and Mike. You've been listening to live coverage of the Hall of Fame dinner live from Goshen, New York. Roger Houston, the master of ceremonies. I'm joined by my radio partner, Mike Bozich. And Mike, what a night this has been so far as we honor some of Harness Racing's greats. Yeah, no question about it. It's always a very touching moment to see all these people just get accolades for all the contributions that they have made for the sport of harness racing and such a special moment as the first woman ever inducted into the hall of fame, the living hall of fame, Margarita Wallenius Clayberg, but congratulations to her. Congratulations to all the inductees. It's certainly been a fantastic night, Mike. All right. We're going to take a look over the next 45 minutes or so at the uh, inductees as everyone sits down to enjoy their dinner. And Mike, we're going to kick things off with the Living Hall of Fame and talk about Jules Siegel, who's the owner of Fashion Farms. Uh, He purchased it back in the 1980s, Mike, and uh, it has produced some very big stakes champions. Yeah, no question about it. Jules Siegel, 90 years old. And, you know, if you ask him, Mike, a lot of the credit he gives to his wife, Arlene, of course, she is no longer with us. She passed away in 2010. But, Mike, it's interesting how Jules Siegel kind of got his start. I mean, he was the owner and the founder of Fashion Farms. But, you know, before that, he graduated from Rutgers with a pharmaceutical degree and operated a drugstore. Uh, a drug chain for a drugstore chain for 40 years. He and his wife, of course, his wife, Arlene, was uh, a longtime nurse. And as Jules retired, kind of a funny story, Mike, because as Jules was uh, going to retire, his wife, Arlene, said, well, you can't retire into nothing. And uh, Jules, uh, you know, he took that advice. And uh, I'll tell you what, they have uh, made fashion farms to what it is. I mean, just an unbelievable uh, uh, breeding operation. And a fantastic, fantastic, uh, uh, you know, way to go. I mean, you know, here's a guy that, like I, like you said, was in the drugstore chain, came and contributed back into the sport of harness racing by opening up one of the uh, best breeding operations that uh, that sports ever seen. Yeah, the interesting thing, if you get uh, Hoofbeats, in this month's edition of Hoofbeats, it talks a little bit about how he kind of got his start into the breeding industry, and he talks about the first six broodmares that uh, he purchased, and the babies didn't sell, they didn't really make their money back, and he said in that moment, 
we've got to go first class or nothing at all because uh, we're not going to make it in this industry if we don't go uh, first class. He does credit his wife um, and the teamwork effort that they put in, Mike, uh, throughout their career um, as part of uh, their success. Jules is a very humble guy in the sense that, you know, if you read a little bit about Jules, and there's numerous articles that you can find on the Internet about Jules Siegel, and he runs his breeding operation, Mike, in the farms, much like he did when he ran the drugstores. Basically, you know, when he was uh, running the drugstores, he had 1,100 employees, but Jules realized that there were people that were working under him that knew more than him as far as how to manage a store, how to do this and do that in different parts of the business. And Jules, one of the great things about Jules was he trusted those people. He gave those people uh, the tools that they needed to succeed, and he was a master motivator. And, uh, you know, I think it shows with Fashion Farms. And, uh, you know, we had Jim Campbell, Mike, on the show Thursday. Uh, Jim Campbell, of course, a trainer for uh, Fashion Farms. And, uh, you know, Jules gave him his start back in 1995. And, Mike, that was the same year that Jules had his Hambletonian champion, Tagliabu. That was back in 1995. And uh, we talked a little bit about Jim Campbell, or we talked to Jim Campbell about Fashion Farms. And Jim could not say uh, enough nice things about what uh, Jules and Arling did for him in his career. Yeah, they purchased Tagliabu for only 50 thousand dollars we're going to take a look now at margareta walenius kleberg and uh, this is a uh, uh i'm gonna say a young lady uh mike who has done so many things for international racing um they call her the first lady of international trotting and she is the first woman in the um harness racing hall of fame um she chaired uh sovala racetrack it's something i did yep. not know uh, she held many prominent positions and uh, helped uh, with the own and operation of Manhamar Stuteri, which is one of the prominent uh, breeders, uh, excuse me, breeding farms of trotters over in Sweden. And uh, what a story uh, she brings to the table with her. Yeah, and obviously one of the best horses uh, that ever, one of the best trotters that ever lived, Mackle Bell, stood stunned there. But, you know, the big thing, Mike, is she is the first woman ever that is going to be enshrined or that is enshrined in the uh, in the uh, Harness Racing Hall of Fame here in the States. And I think that's a huge, huge accomplishment. She's also director uh, of the Hamiltonian Society here in the United States, uh, just a tireless promoter. In 2011, she received the Pinnacle Award, you know, for promotion of the sport. As you mentioned, she uh, has a big hand in operating, uh, was a chair in operating Sobala Racetrack, which, of course, is the home of the Elite Lop. And the Elite Lop winner in Sweden's Horse of the Year in 2017, Nuncio, is now standing at the Menhamar Stewart Arena. As a matter of fact, I believe Nuncio uh, can, can start breeding here to the States uh, starting this year. So, you know, some good stuff there. But, yeah, just a tireless, tireless promoter of the game. And like I say, the first woman enshrined in the Harness Racing Hall of Fame. That's, that's a pretty big deal. One story I want to quickly tell from this month's uh, edition of Hoofbeats is a horse that they got, Mike, uh, by Zoot Sweet. And uh, this was an interesting trotter in the fact that um, many of the Swedish uh, were skeptical because the breeding here was a champion trotter to a champion pacer. So in Sweden, that was uh, obviously very weird 
um, to look at and to see. And it didn't matter that the mayor was a champion pacer once the uh, foal started to come out because the champion trotters that came from Zoot Suite and that side of the family were just absolutely incredible. So it was, it's interesting to read what Margarita and some of the breeding farms overseas did. Yeah, no question about it. And like I say, I know I tell this story tirelessly, but uh, the ships, Mike, I just have to squeeze it in. <laughs> I promise it'll only take me 30 seconds. But I, I, of course, here the announcer at Harris, Philadelphia, up in the announcer's booth on the sixth floor, you've got a very good view of the Delaware River. And every once in a great while, you will see the Willenius car carriers, the ships go up and down the Delaware River coming from all over the place. Uh, coming from other continents, coming over here to Philadelphia, and they have the name Willenius on them, and that is indeed a relation to Margarita Willenius Clayburg. The two members of the Living Hall of Fame who will be inducted, we're going to take a very short time out when we come back. We're going to jump into the Living Horse Hall of Fame, which features Cantab Hall, Western Ideal, Gala Dream, and Sweet Future. We'll be right back. Over the past 25 years, Hoosier Park has revolutionized harness racing across the nation. The action returns Friday, March 30th, with racing every Tuesday through Saturday, starting at 6.30 p.m. Join Revolution at Hoosier Park Racing and Casino. Visit HoosierPark.com for more information. Join Meadowlands Racing and Entertainment for our championship meet that is highlighted on July 14th with Crawford Farms, Meadowlands Pace, and then wraps up on August 4th with our prestigious Pembletonian. Join us for promotion packed Friday and Saturday nights with post time at 7.15. Test your skills and take a shot at the survivor wager for added gambling fun. For more info, go to playmeadowlands.com. We're back on this edition of Post Time with Mike and Mike presented by Bet America Special Hall of Fame Dinner Edition. Mike Carter alongside of Mike Bozich. And Mike, we now discuss uh, some of the horses that are getting into the Living Horse Hall of Fame and talk about horsepower uh, from Can Tab Hall, who is the first one that we're going to talk about. And when you look at the top foals uh, that he has helped to create, including Father Patrick, Wild Honey, Uncle Peter, Il Sonio Dream, Wind of the North, and so many more. It's incredible uh, to see what Cantab Hall has put together. Yeah, no question about it. And, you know, he wasn't really too bad of a racehorse, too. I, I guess he's, you know, one of those horses that even though he's made, you know, a lot of money, uh, $1.4 million during his racing career, he's more known for a stallion. He's currently standing at Hanover Shoe Farms. But just briefly on his racing career, Mike, as a two-year-old, he won all 10 of his starts, earned over $450,000 with a two-year-old uh, trotting colt of the year, won the American National at ages two and three, and like like I said, has earnings of over $1.4 million with a mark of one fifty-four. So, you know, although we you know, kind of talk about Cantab Hall, the stallion, and certainly, you know, obviously that's what he's here for, but, you know, he wasn't a bad racehorse either. 
No, not at all. He was second in the 2004 Hamiltonian, and he put in some monster efforts uh, throughout his racing career. His most profitable career uh, full earnings so far were back in 2008, Mike, when his foals earned over $11.6 million. Wow, that's very impressive. He was the leading trotting sire for three consecutive years. From 2011 to 2014, he has sired eight millionaires. That's unbelievable. Eight millionaires, uh, winners over $73 million. You talked about the offspring. I mean, Father Patrick, Wild Honey, uh, world champion Explosive Matter, who Mike isn't a bad sire in his own right, but also Mike is a broodmare sire. He has sired the dams of over $15 million, including... A couple of horses that we're very familiar with, Mike Southwind Frank and two-time Breeders' Crown winner Ariana G. Yeah, definitely uh, some powerhouse uh, foals that have come from Cantab Hall. We switch now to Western Ideal, Mike. And before we get to the top foals and the breeding career of Western Ideal, which speaks for itself, uh, if you ask me. When we go through the numbers, you'll see that. But talk about the racing career of Western Ideal, uh, put in some monster efforts uh, throughout his career, but was kind of uh, an up-and-down kind of horse. Yeah, made over $1.5 million, had that mark of 148. That was actually a world record for an older horse on a mile track, and that was actually done in the Breeders' Crown. But, yeah, as a matter of fact, Western Ideal actually took a year off of racing between the two, three, four, and five-year-old seasons, uh, took one of those years completely off, which makes that you know, which makes that 1.5 million dollar earning uh, <laughs> mark pr- pretty darn impressive. And of course, 148, and obviously has gone on to be just a terrific, terrific sire. Now, looking through the stats of Western Ideal, and uh, maybe I'm going to have to go through and pull this one up as we're discussing it. But in 2005, Mike, did you know he sired a trotter? Unbelievable. Really he sired no, a trotter who made uh, $1,722. So as we're discussing this, maybe I'll, uh, maybe I'll take a look and see uh, who it was that he sired. But, Mike, he sired champion Rock and Roll Hanover. And I think we all remember Rock and Roll Hanover passed away uh, not all that long ago. But Rock and Roll Hanover in the Metro Pace uh, showed up, and he was the only time you got 31 to 1 on Rock and Roll Hanover. Yeah, winner of over $2.7 million. Uh, Rock and Roll Hanover is obviously in the Immortal Hall of Fame, but some of the others too, Mike, world champion Vintage Master, uh, one of my favorite horses. He's made over $2 million. World champion Crispy Apples made close to $2 million. Western Aces made close to $2 million. A horse that's still racing that I have a chance to uh, see quite frequently at Harris, Philadelphia. Dial and O'Dial still competing in the mid to upper condition level ranks. He's made $1.7 million. Art Speak, $1.6 million. World Champion Big Jim, $1.5 million. And uh, both Art Speak and Big Jim, I believe, were two-year-old pacing Colts of the year. That's just remember, that actually wasn't in my notes. That's just something that I <laughs> pulled up. But I, 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 so I, I could be wrong on that, but I do believe I'm about 80% sure on that. I'm scrolling through, and the trotter. You're looking for that trotter, aren't you? I am. I found it actually. I found it. The trotter has a mark of two hundred two and four, and the trotter's name was J.K. Grand Slam. Uh, J.K. Grand Slam. As I hit the uh, search button here, raced back in back in two thousand and eight, and uh, finished his career in two thousand eleven. Uh, Mike. Uh, 
his mother was presidential lady, and check this out. His father was world champion presidential ball. Well, I'll tell you what. Those kind of stats and those kind of obscure stats you're only going to find right here. I will guarantee you that that's not going to come up in, uh, in Rogers' offerings at all. But, uh, you know, you know the, the credentials go on for Western Ideal. A great broodmare sire, a sire the dams of winners of over $54 million. They include a horse that we're very familiar with, both of us, McWicked, State Treasure, another horse that we're very familiar with. Didn't State Treasure win like he was like the Canadian Horse of the Year like 20 years in a row. See you with Peelers and, of course, Mike. The horse that we love, Fear the Dragon. Definitely. Well, we switch to the broodmares now, Mike, and uh, we'll start with Sweet Future. The pacer, she was a three-year-old pacing filly with a mark of 54-2, and two, only made 89000 throughout her career. But, Mike, I'll tell you what, she has helped to create some of the greatest world champions um, ever. Um, she had Better Sweet, Sweet Lou, and one that we recognize now, Nutcracker Sweet. Yeah, certainly Nutcracker Sweet is in on Saturday at uh, Saturday at the Downs at Mohegan Sun Pocono. But you know, how about Sweet Lou, who right now is standing stud over with uh, with our good friends uh, at uh, Diamond Creek Farms. But you know, as a two year old, let's talk a little bit about Sweet Lou. Two year old. Uh, Set uh, the world record for two-year-old pace on a mile track, 149. I believe that record still stands to this day. Uh, currently holds the world record for age and all-age pace on a 5.8 mile track of 147. It, of course, has that great nickname for that beautiful, great white blaze that uh, he has. And, of course, earnings over $3.4 million. And that's just one of a few great products that uh, Sweet Future has uh, given us here in the harness racing world, Mike. Yeah, Better's Delight went 147 and two as an older uh, pacer, went 149 and three as a three-year-old, and made 2.7 million in earnings to date. The uh, best sweet future foal was Sweet Lou at 3.478 million dollars. It's incredible to see, though, if you as, as you look through the stats of Sweet Future. Um, that her career ended at three years old, only $89,000 in the bank, and that she helped to create some of Harness Racing's, uh, Harness Racing's uh, greatest future. Yeah, certainly. And I think you see a lot of that, Mike. I mean, a lot of horses that really aren't necessarily great racehorses but have a little bit of that back lineage, and they turn out to be either great stallions or great broodmares, and Sweet Future certainly fits that mold. All right. We'll look now at Gala Dream from the trotting side, and – most people, you, you don't know Gala Dream uh, from a racing standpoint, Mike, because uh, she didn't race. Um, Spring Gala uh, was one of her very first foals, but Father Patrick is the most well-known, uh, probably, uh, trotter other than Pastor Stephen from 2008, uh, who made over a million dollars. But Father Patrick, we remember, who had the dominant two- and three-year-old season uh, before making a Uh, some of the great uh, trotters of our time as well. Yeah, well, Gala Dreams foals have sold for $1.3 million at a public auction, and they've gone on to earn over $4 million on the racetrack. She's actually purchased as a yearling bike by Brittany Farms. You know, we talked about uh, Father Patrick and, uh, and Pastor Stephen. You know, Father Patrick, I mean, 
Good grief, we could sit here for the next hour and talk about his accomplishments <laughs> on the racetrack. I mean, he was uh, Dan Patch winner of two and three world records all over the place. As a matter of fact, Father Patrick's first crop, I believe, will be racing this year, Mike. So that'll be oh, yeah. very interesting to see. But, um, you know, Pastor Steven, not a slouch at his own right. I mean, he's a Dan Patch champion, too, had, uh, I believe, a half a dozen stakes wins. But, uh, you know, a couple of things that a lot of people don't know about Gala Dream are 2012 full. Whom Shall I Fear is actually a stud in Indiana and was racing's top-selling yearling of 2013. Actually sold for uh, close to 500000 like 480000 or something like that. And her 2014 full, Federal Hill, was uh, 2015's top-selling trotting colt at $350,000. So very impressive res- resume, including <laughs> at the auctions of the sales, uh, you know, for the offspring of Gala Dream. You know, one thing about uh, Whom Shall I Fear, it's funny you mentioned that horse. I kind of looked him up to see, you know, kind of what he had done throughout his career. Not only did he take uh, a division of your favorite series, the Liberty Bell, but he raced in the Bluegrass, the Simcoe, um, the Beale, which is a race that's coming up, uh, actually the race that was held last night, the Pennsylvania Sire Stakes, the Matron. So she has produced a lot of uh, what we currently see stakes-wise. It's very impressive to see uh, what she has done throughout her career, and it'll be interesting to see uh, what Brothers in Arms, uh, the Cantab Hall uh, Colt, can do. Uh, has made $17,650 currently. All right, we've uh, touched on the Living Horse Hall of Fame. We're going to jump to the Communicators Hall of Fame. And, Mike, this is an area that uh, is uh, near and dear to me and your uh, heart as uh, we are communicators in the sport of harness racing. And uh, we'll talk Carl Becker and uh, Dave Briggs uh, just after the break. You've got Post Time with Mike and Mike, presented by Bet America. Are you interested in learning more about owning standard bred racehorses? Do you want to experience the excitement of driving a standard bred? Owning a racehorse is a -a once-in-a-lifetime experience and not as difficult as you may think. The United States Trotting Association wants to help make your ownership dreams a reality. Contact a member of the Ownership Concierge team by email at owners at ustrotting.com or by calling 877-800-8782, extension 5555. Winback Farms yearlings are born to compete and raised to win. Be sure to check out our lineup to take advantage of opportunities in slot and rich states. Our yearlings are eligible in Delaware, New Jersey, New York, Ohio, Ontario, and Pennsylvania. Our 2018 sales schedule kicks off in Goshen on September 9th, followed by Lexington October 2nd through the 6th, London October 13th to the 14th, Harrisburg November 5th to the 7th, and the Harrisburg Mix Sale on November 8th. For more information, visit winbackfarm.com. That's Winback farm.com We're back on this edition of Post Time with Mike and Mike presented by Bet America. Mike Carter alongside of Mike Bozich and Mike, we turn now to the Communicators Hall of Fame and the Communicators Hall of Fame hosts some of the great writers, publicists and uh, announcers of all time including the late great Sam McKee. No question about it and it was. I was very excited to see when Carl Becker got the nomination for uh, Communicators Hall of Fame, and uh, now he's going to be an inductee. And I'll tell you what, I grew up, Mike, in the Chicagoland area, um, and Carl Becker, longtime voice of DuCoin, 
and uh, Springfield Affairs. And that is one of the things that has made just a great, great voice. And that is one of the things, Mike, that has made Carl Becker very special is that he has stayed strong to his roots. I think he still does like like something like seven or eight fairs to this day at 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 the age of uh I believe 80 and he still is sharp still has that great voice. I mean, I'll tell you what, you talk about one of the best announcers of our time ever. Carl Becker is definitely definitely fits that mold. We we were just talking about breeding and things of that sort, Mike, and you talk about um, announcers in the sport of harness racing and Carl Becker helped to uh, obviously create Kurt Becker, who is the announcer at Keeneland racetrack. And we, we talk about Kurt Becker because he's one of the greatest of all time, but coming from Carl Becker, who was a harness announcer, it's interesting that his son, Kurt uh, kind of floated over to the thoroughbreds, but he still shows his passion and love for harness racing. Yeah, no question. Here's a guy that started back in the late 1960s at the Edgar County Fair, and he's still there. He graduated from the University of Illinois, was teaching agriculture and science before he got involved in, you know, race calling and all that. And uh, he's been a synonymous voice on the Grand Circuit. Springfield, DeCoin, Red Mile, Indianapolis, a protege, Mike, of the great Stan Bergstein and I know you you know you're kind of, I'm a little bit older than you. <laughs> and I remember Stan Bergstein very very well. I don't I don't know how much you've had a chance to see of Stan Stan Bergstein throughout his career, but Carl Becker's a protege of his and Carl has had some of the greatest race calls of all time. And one of my favorites was the last Hambletonian at Decoin when Burgermeister won it for Bill Houghton or Bill Houghton. And it was Peter Houghton's horse. And of course, Peter was killed in a car wreck and it was very, very emotional. I mean, it was emotional on so many different levels and Kurt, or I'm sorry, Carl Becker brought that emotion out. You know, he, he, with, with his race call of that particular race, he brought a lot of tears out of a lot of people. I can't even imagine uh, what that moment was like. In fact, I might have to go and pull that uh, pull that race call up uh, after uh, after the ceremonies here this evening because it sounds like something that uh, I would thoroughly enjoy. It's unbelievable. I was five years old at the time, and uh, I remember. But you know what? He had a lot of great race calls, Mike. I mean, he called the famous time trial for Niatros, 149 ah, at the Red Mile. Okay. He called the world record dead heat at the time between Jaguar Spur and Log in uh, at the Red Mile in 151 and 2 that was back in 1987 he called the first set of breeders crown races which was wow. at the Red Mile back in 1984 so i mean a long list of accomplishments and uh just an unbelievable race caller i mean you talk about the voice of God. And that's the, what, what, what a little kid, a little five, six, seven year old kid growing up listening <laughs> to all these different announcers. And you're standing on the apron, you're standing trackside at the coin or Springfield, and you hear that voice of Carl Becker. It's like the voice of God up there. It really, really is. And I'll tell you what, Carl Becker, listening to him call races when I was young, is probably 
one of the big reasons why I chose this profession. Speaking of a long list of uh, career accolades, Mike, uh, we switch gears now to the next inductee here this evening, Dave Briggs, who has a record 11 John Hervey Awards for Excellence. Um, and what a career that Dave Briggs has uh, has built. Uh, he helps to edit Harness Racing Update. But one thing that uh, many people don't know is that he can't remain in a horse environment for very long because he has allergies. I did not realize that. Isn't that funny? The, it, one of the greatest riders of harness and thoroughbred racing of the modern times is allergic to horses. Right. That's, <laughs> of course that's the way it would go. But you know what, Dave, uh, he got his start at the Canadian Sportsman. We, we've had Dave on the show several times. And he got his start at the at the Canadian Horseman, uh, uh, Canadian Sportsman. I'm sorry, but if you look at that long list of awards, numerous John Herbies, uh, long list of Canadian and international awards. I, you know, he probably don't even know. I mean, I, you know, and here's the thing: when you're doing when you're doing the prep work, uh, guys like Dave Briggs, and you go read articles, every article is is got a different <laughs> number of awards that he has. Like right. one has nine John Herbies, one has ten John Herbies, one has eight John Herbies, one has eleven John Herbies. He probably has fifty John Herbies for all we know. But <laughs> twenty a long list of Canadian and international awards. Um at last count. Okay, this is a very unofficial count. Five American Horse Publication Awards, three Standard Bread Canada O'Brien Media Excellence Awards, two World Trotting Conference Media Awards. Ontario Equestrian Publication Award, of course, Dan Patch Media Award. I, we could talk forever about his awards, but all very well deserved. And one thing that you get from a lot of people that deal with Dave, you know, a lot of the horsemen that deal with Dave Briggs, coming from one of the greatest of all time, one of the greatest drivers of all time, John Campbell, is Dave's sincerity and the fact that Dave is a straight shooter. And Dave, and, and let's be just completely honest, Dave don't mess anybody around. I mean, you know, no. Dave don't try to make or fabricate a story to, you know, to appease his audience or to juice up the article. He does it straight by the book, and he's got a lot of respect because of it. Yeah, for sure. And he also volunteers uh, a lot at the Clyde Hurt Sports Media Workshop that's held at the Meadowlands each year where college students come and they cover the Hamiltonian. And he's trying to like mentor the youth and the com future communicators into um, what he has become uh, today. And I think that's huge. I mean, me and you have learned from guys like Roger Houston and Sam McKee and Ken Middleton and those guys, you know, kind of passing the torch down. So it's cool to see him kind of take a step back and say, you know what, we want to teach some of the younger generations uh, how to cover the sport of harness racing. You know, and that's what Roger always says. Roger Houston always says, and this is what Dave Briggs kind of lives by, is that, you know, you never turn any of the young people away. Because you know what, like in our profession, okay, we could be turning away the next Sam McKee. We could be turning right. away the next Hall of Famer. And so, you know, it's good to see Hall of Famers like Ronda Houston and now Dave Briggs take that motto. It's good for the sport. It's good for the industry. And, you know, quite frankly, it's the right thing to do, period. For sure. All right. Those are the Communicators Hall of Fame inductees, Carl Becker and Dave Briggs who will be inducted here this evening 
into the Communicators Hall of Fame. We're going to take another time out. We'll talk about the Immortal Hall of Fame member, Hakan Walner, coming up next on Post Time with Mike and Mike, presented by Bet America. The Standard Bread Pleasure Horse Organization of New Jersey is proud to present the National Standard Bread Horse Show. Coming up on August 10th, 11th, and 12th at the Horse Park in Allentown, New Jersey. It's fun for the whole family. The fun starts on Friday, August 10th at 6.30 with games and fun divisions featuring the Sam McKee Memorial Barrel Race. Then on Saturday, August 11th, it's Western In-Hand Showmanship, Driving, Roadster, and Gated Divisions. And on Sunday, August 12th, Dressage, English Equitation, Jumping, Hunters Fresh Off the Track, Warhorse, and the Pacing for the Cure two-gated pleasure class. This year's show is in memory of the late, great Sam McKee. For more information, visit us at sphonj.org. That's sphonj.org. It's the National Standard Bread Horse Show, August 10th, 11th, and 12th at the Horse Park in Allentown, New Jersey. Be there! Mike Bozich here along with Mike Carter for Pacing for the Cure. Do you or someone you love with multiple sclerosis have a difficult time paying for your MS medications or need medical equipment such as a wheelchair or scooter? Pacing for the Cure can help. Please visit the pacingforthecure.org website and complete the mobility aid application. If eligible, you may receive funding. Again, that's pacingforthecure.org. Mike? Are you a harness racing trainer, driver, or owner? Please join the list of those who pledged in 2017 for the $1 per win challenge. The 2018 challenge has begun and wins tally from January 1st through October 31st. If you are interested in joining the challenge, please email Jeff at pacingforthecure.org. Thank you, drivers, trainers, and owners. Once again, that's pacingforthecure.org. New Vocations Resource Adoption Program. Retrain, Rehab, Rehome. New Vocations focuses on adoption as the optimal solution for the large numbers of horses that leave the track each year. The program provides rehabilitation and transitional training to prepare the horses for a productive life beyond racing. Each horse is evaluated for temperament, soundness, and suitability to help ensure a successful adoptive match. New Vocations Racehorse Adoption Program celebrating 25 years and over 6,000 horses placed. Learn more at newvocations.org. At BetAmerica, we don't do promotions only for new players. As a regular player at BetAmerica.com, you can take advantage of several promotions each week. Go to BetAmerica.com slash extra and visit our promotions calendar and find out how you can get double wager reward points on our featured tracks. It's just another reason why it's time to play the BetAmerica way. 12 championship races. One spectacular night. And Father Patrick got a coast home a champion here. Breeders' Crown 2018 coming to the Downs at Mohegan Sun Pocono. Pitching up the rail. Modern legend there. Four is again. Dead game. Clear vision right on the outside. Pet Rock on the inside. Photo finish. Four is again. And Pet Rock together. We're 
We're back on this very special edition of Post Time with Mike and Mike, the Hall of Fame dinner edition. And, Mike, we talk now about the immortal Hall of Fame inductee, Hawken Walner. Uh, what an influence he had overseas. He passed away on January 20th, uh, 2001, in Treviso, Italy, was inducted into the Swedish Trotting Hall of Fame in 2015, and he won races like the Elite Lop and the Prix d'Amérique in Europe. One of the things about Anken Walner, Mike, is he paved the way for international horse trading. I mean, all these international horses that you see now compete basically, you know, you hear the term global market a lot. Well, harness racing is no different. Horse racing is no different, but you see all these horses now competing against each other in different continents. And Hawken Walner is a big reason for that. I mean, he, you know, absolutely raised the bar of Swedish racing and breeding to an international level, one of, uh, if not Sweden's greatest trotting ambassadors, uh, you know, and it's, it's fun to see, you know, I mean, a lot of times, you know, you go back 30, 40, 50 years, you know, it was very, very rare to see overseas best horses versus America's best horses. But thanks to Hawk and Walner, we probably don't see enough of it, but we certainly see a lot more of it. Yeah, he worked with the first ever Breeders' Crown champion, uh, Mike, in Workaholic in 1984, and the stable uh, was huge in a ton of the Breeders' Crown races. Uh, they won four trophies and $2.85 million in the first eight, year, uh, eight years of the Breeders' Crown. So, credit um, Hawk and Walner. Well, if you go back and read some of the articles about Jimmy Tactor and how Jimmy Tactor got involved in the industry, um, you know, one of the reasons why Jimmy Tactor's so good and so successful in this industry is because he had a chance to work with guys like, you know, Hawk and Walner and Bert Lindstedt. As a matter of fact, Jimmy Tactor's father was a really good friend of uh, Hawk and Walner. And, uh, you know, no question about it, he's a really big reason why Scandinavian and European horsemen are here. Guys like Jimmy Tactor, guys like Per Henriksen, Per Eriksson, Stefan Milander, uh, and the list goes on and on and on. And, uh, you know, he's in the Hall of Immortals now, absolutely deserves it, one of the great statesmen for harness racing in general. It doesn't matter whether it's Sweden or uh, anywhere. Hawken Walner definitely deserves this, this big-time, big-time praise. All right, that concludes the inductees uh, for the living, communicators, living horse, and immortal Hall of Fame. And, Mike, uh, what what an honor this has been to kind of be a part of this uh, dinner tonight, be a part of the Hall of Fame dinner, and be a part of this program. Yeah, we, I want to, we want to thank everybody, especially uh, everybody from the USTA. It was, uh, you know, a very big honor to be able to be a part of this. And, and obviously it's about the inductees and it's about the horses and it's about the, the men and women that have uh, earned this right, have worked very, very hard, tirelessly to promote this industry, to promote this business uh, in a positive fashion. So hats off once again. Uh, on behalf of, of uh, all of us here at Post Time with Mike and Mike, to Dave Briggs, Carl Becker, Joel Siegel, uh, Margarita Valenius Clayberg, uh, Cantab Hall, Western Ideal, Gala Dream, Sweet Future, and of course, Hockett Walnut to the Hall of Immortals. Hats off to you guys, and thank you for your contributions to the sport that we all love. 
All right, don't forget you can join us every Thursday on our website at posttimewithmikeandmike.com at 10.30 in the morning. Well, Roger Houston will be picking things up here momentarily as dinner is going to be ending very shortly. Again, Roger Houston will take us through the rest of the night. And again, we thank you for joining us on Post Time with Mike and Mike. Uh, Stand by for the remainder of the induction ceremony.
we can have your attention, please. Attention, please. We have an auction that we'd like to begin. As you know, the raffle has closed. Winners of the raffle will be announced later. But before that, we have a chance to pick up one of the choice pieces of art to be offered in recent years anywhere. To sell a nice piece of art will be Steve Cross. I'd like to mention that we do have pictures here. The sculpture itself is back in the hall. If you didn't see it, you might move back there now and do it. I'd like to mention that uh, the sculpture we're going to sell is a bronze done by Claudia Steinle Schimhammer. This uh, with all proceeds to the benefit of the museum. And we're going to designate those proceeds directly to the museum. They don't go through any hands. No commissions come out. Steinle Schellheimer first gained recognition for her work as an artist in 1962 and continued to win accolades through the 1980s. Not on the farm is the piece we're doing tonight. It's a detailed composition which places the unbridled freedom of, of horses in a field in juxtaposition with the control power of a horse in harness. Purchased by Norman Woolworth for 5000 in 2003, at the HTA auction in Lexington, we're offering it again tonight. So a rare chance to pick up that piece of art, in case you missed it before. Again, it's uh, being portrayed here. It's on display back in the hall. Steve Cross will sell our sale tonight. I'd like to tell you a little bit about Steve. Steve is the announcer at Hoosier Park, the man who called the 2017 Breeders' Crown and did an absolute superb job. Steve is the manager of the Hoosier Classic Yearling Sale. He has taken that sale along with the owners to a point now where it's recognized by one of the top regional sales in all the sport. We really wanted Steve's wife, Darlene, because she does most of the work in the organization, but she said she couldn't work for free. That's why we got him. And now, if you will, please direct your attention to, shall I call you a colonel? No. 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 Steve Cross. Uh, thank you, Carl. And again, congratulations. Well deserved. All right. On the uh, sculpture. You're the man. I got 3,000 to start. Who's at 35? I'm going to be about 3,035. Um, that have been about 35, 4,000, been up 4, 4,000, um, that have been about 35, you got 4, 4,000, 4, now 45, 45, 40, 45, 5,000, sir, 45 up here, 5, now 50, um, that have been about 55, 5,000 up back, 50, um, that have been about 55, 6,000, sir, 6,000, now 65, um, that have been about 65, now 7,000, um, that have been about 7,000, 7,500, sir, 75, 8,000, 8, um, that have been about 8,000, thank you, sir, 8,500. I'm gonna be my 85, 9,000, sir, 9,095, 95, I'm gonna be my 95, I'm gonna be my 10,000, 10,000, 10,005, I'm gonna be my 10,005, 11,000, sir, 115, 11, I'm gonna be my 11,500, now 12, I'm gonna be my 12, Roger, you can still bid, you're out, the bid's back there, 
12,000, 12,005, sir. Bomb that have been about 12,005, 13,000. Bomb that have been about 13,005, 13,000. 13, bomb that have been about 13,500, 14,000, sir. 14, thank you. Now 15, 15,000, 14,500, 15,000. 14,500 at the back, 15,000, 15,000, 15,500, 15,500, sir. 15,500, now 16,000. Bomb that have been about 16,000, 16,500, 16,500, 17,000, sir. 17, 17, 5. Bomb that have been about 17,000, now 17, 18,000, 17, 5, 18,000. 18,000, 18, 5. 18, bomb that have been about 18, 5. Bomb that have been about 19,000. 19,000, 20,000, sir. 20,000, 20, 21. 20, bomb that have been about 21,000. 22, bomb that have been about 22,000. 23, 23, bomb that have been about 23,000. 23, 24, bomb that have been about 24,000. 24, before we get any further, anyone else can bid. It's not just the two gentlemen here. I do have 24,000, 25. 25, 26,000, 26, 27,000, 27, that have been 27,000, 27 now, 28, ain't that have been 28,000, 28, make it 30, just make it an even 30,000, you've been really good so far, thank you sir, 30, 31, 31, 31, thank you, 32 sir, 32, you sure now, 32, you've been real good so far, 32,000, thank you, anyway, is anybody else, 31,000, 32, anyone else, 32, that have been 32,000, 31,000, now 32. Tom, that have been about 32,000. 32, mom, 32. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you, folks. We appreciate your support. That was great. You know, it is kind of disgusting, though, when you think about Steve, good-looking young guy, runs a great sale, tremendous announcer. Now we find out he's a heck of an auctioneer. Isn't that disgusting? We appreciate it. Steve Cross, folks. Harness racing. Harness Racing Museum has long enjoyed the support of the Monticello Goshen chapter of the United States Harness Riders Association, and this year is no exception. Representing United States Harness Riders Association President Sean Wiles present a check for $5,000 from the national chapter of the United States Harness Riders Association. We look forward to many years honoring our Hall of Famers. Sean, you want to come up, please? Thank you, Roger. On behalf of the National Ishwa and its board of directors, uh, it gives me great pleasure to be able to give this check of $5,000 to the Harness Racing Museum. It's a 
continuation of our ongoing sponsorship and fundraising, and we continue to look forward to doing it possibly more in the future. Thank you. John, thank you so much. Greatly appreciate it. I'm sorry. Now we call to the podium John Mansey to present their very generous contribution to the museum. John Mansey, please. Chris Tolley and Sean Wiles, you want to come back? Well, we're not going to stop now. We're still going to give away more money. The harness riders really uh, appreciate that uh, this area here, Goshen, is in our area, in our chapter area. And you just saw 5,000 come from uh, our president, our chapter president, national president, too. Former chapter president, I might say. Oh, Sean's still a president. Are you still a president? Local? He's still our local president. No, no. I'm local president. Oh, Mr. Tully's our local president. But anyway, that doesn't make a difference because we're donating more money. And we got 4000 4, 4, more. And every year, Monticello Goshen Chapter has been given 3000 But the efforts of Mr. Tully and his crew raised another 2000 with their run. What was the run for? Iron Horse Poker Run. When you donate to that, uh, you know, it's coming back to us. So we appreciate it. Why they got me up front here, because uh, uh, I'm I'm yesterday's memories for the most part, but it's in good hands with Steve, uh, with with, uh, Chris and uh, and Sean. Supplying uh, funds for this wonderful donation. I want to say thank you to Ushwa National for their $5,000 financial support of the museum. Um, it really means so much to have support from above. Thank you to John Manzi for beginning the uh, tradition of Monticello Goshen Chapter, giving to both Historic Track and the Harness Racing Museum. To date, Monticello Goshen has donated more than $50,000 to the museum over the years. Thank you for, to Chris Tully and Sean Wiles for continuing the tradition and this year increasing the limit. I want to thank museum trustees for their support and guidance throughout the year and museum staff for all their hard work in the last couple of months and especially tonight. This time we'd like to call Hall of Famer John Campbell to the podium to introduce 2018 Living Hall of Fame inductee, Jules Siegel. Thank you. 
first of all, congratulations to all of the honorees and award winners tonight. We are quite a unique group that make up this harness racing community that we are all part of, and we're all so competitive each and every time a horse we are associated with goes on the track. Always competing against and trying to beat one another. And we come together here to celebrate and congratulate excellence from our top, top performance. And that is kind of a parallel to my relationship with Jules Siegel. In all my years of driving, no one fired me more than Jules. <clears throat> However, and certainly more important, we have always been and will always be friends. So I was very honored when he asked me to participate in his induction ceremony. When Jules and his wife Arlene purchased their first horses back in 1986, they bought a bunch of nondescript cheap brood mares that didn't pan out. From there, they tried a claiming horse, after which Jules declared to Arlene, we are either going to go first class or we are going to get out of this business. He would have no idea at the time what an impact that statement would have on their own lives and the racing and breeding industry. They would win our greatest race, the Hamiltonian, as well as the Hamiltonian Oaks, the Jugette, multiple breeders' crowns, and multiple division award winners, and many more of our highest level stakes, too numerous to mention. And the legacy continues. Last night in the Earl Beal, Jim and Jules had three horses that earned their way into the final, and they came out with a victory in a $500,000 shot and <clears throat> with, with crystal fashion. Jules started and developed a world-class breeding operation and has stood four of his own stallions, Taglibu, Broadway Hall, Real Artist, and the farm footprint and impact will be felt throughout harness racing for generations to come. Jules' statement to go first class would have an impact on two brothers from Ontario as well. The 1995 Hamiltonian with Taglebu was a very special day for both Jim and I and our families. On the night of that Hamiltonian, my dad said it was the best day of his life until my mother told him it wasn't. <clears throat> I have a saying about people who are involved in this business for long periods of time and survive all the highs and lows horse racing throws at you. I call these people warriors. And Jules, you are a warrior in the game of harness racing. Ladies and gentlemen, it is my pleasure to introduce and welcome to the Living Harness Racing Hall of Fame Hall of Fame, Mr. Jules Siegel. Thank you very much. John, it was hard for me to recognize myself after that. 
In any case, uh, just at a beginning, uh, I had the opportunity to play golf with the Standard Red Retirement Fund uh, about uh, two months ago, a month and a half, two months ago, and I played with the Campbells. And normally, when I'm down in Florida, I shoot about mid-90s. Playing with John, I had a complex, and I couldn't hit a ball straight. I kept hitting the trees. I went into the woods. I couldn't even sink a two-foot putt. And John, with his patience, said to me, don't worry. You'll get into it sooner or later. Well, actually, I didn't ever get into it that day. And at the end of the game, I felt so bad and ashamed that I walked up to John and I apologized for such lousy playing. He said, no problem. Then he turns around, he looks at me and says, uh, did you ever think of taking up bowling? <laughs> Anyhow, thank you very much for electing me to the Standard Red Hall of Fame. This honor is by far one of the most unbelievable experiences of my 90 years. When I received the call, When I received the call, I was ready to hang the phone up. Most of us here have received calls about being a recipient of treasure from an unknown ancestor or from an electric company professing to save you hundreds of dollars. And I suddenly realized that this call was the real thing. After explaining the details involved in what would take place in the near future, the voting, etc. The caller then requested that I not speak to anybody about this since they were planning to publicize this on the next Monday. Of course, I agreed. Immediately after the call, you can guess what I did. Right. I called Jim Campbell to tell him the good news. I spent the weekend with my head in the clouds, and I just, to be sure of what I had learned, I called Moira Fanning the next Monday, and she reassured me that it was all true. As I walked through my house every day, I passed by and glanced into the trophy room that has grown by leaps and bounds, and I marvel at the more than 100 trophies that I have accumulated over the past 30 years. I realize that so many individuals have contributed to my success, and I would be remiss if I did not take this opportunity to thank them. First, mostly, John Campbell was my go-to guy at the beginning, and I was amazed at his consistent ability to make good horses into great winners. His determination to drive Tagliabue to the first major win at the Hamiltonian in 1995, his patience with Broadway Hall, who went through a season of nine consecutive stake wins in spite of the fact that he was hurting in every one of his races. The excitement he gave me with real artists, arts virtue, 
Armbrow animate, possess the will, lots of cloud, full of fun, fillies such as Galleria, Fashion Athena, stage show, and I know he will never forget Cooler Schooner, crazy Cooler Schooner. She set a 151 and a piece record as a two-year trotting filly. Time is not important, he used to tell me. Winning is everything. My words are never enough to thank him. Jim Campbell, my trainer and son of my extended family for almost 25 years, taught me how the horse business works, how to select horses to purchase at the sales. He used to say, let's start with 100 that you select to look at from the catalog, narrow it down to 50 on the second day, 25 on the third day, 10 or 12 on the sale day that are the best and we'll get serious. Confirmation, size, head, eyes, stiffness of tail, and so forth. After you buy them, he gave me lessons in how to make them into winners. We had a secret word that contributed to our great success. It is called communication. Over all these years, we have talked in person or on the telephone at least twice weekly about training, conditioning, treatment, and the prospects of each and every horse that he was training. As a side, when Tagliabu won the Hamiltonian, both Jim and I were standing at the fence right opposite the finish line. We both realized that Tag was going to win as he came down the stretch. But Jim was so excited, he grabbed me around the head and covered my eyes accidentally. I never saw Tag cross the finish line until I, until I saw the replay. How in the world can I ever reward him enough for all he has done for me? Jim and I have paid attention to the careers of many of the up-and-coming drivers during their early years. When ten, Tim Tietrich was breaking into the major ranks and what is, was the hottest driver around, I told Jim that we have to get him to drive some of our horses. Eventually, we were fortunate enough to have him drive some, and he came through every time. To this day, he is one of our top selections when he is available. He showed us his worth last night. I accompanied a friend of mine to the races at Pompano Park several years ago. I was impressed with this young driver who was just breaking into the ranks there, and I made my way to the paddock to meet him. For a short time, we talked, and I suggested that they come north, and that I had 12 horses he could drive at the Meadowlands. A few months later, he did make it north, but he decided to stop at the Meadows on the way. After a few months, Brian Sears felt he was ready for the big time and did get to the Meadowlands, where I tried to get him to drive whenever possible. In later years, Brian moved to Yonkers, and since most of us sock was Pennsylvania bred, we seldom got together. However, came Hamiltonian Day. I noticed Brian was driving Muscle Hill, 
I convinced Jim to put him on Broadway's scooter in the Oaks. After Muscle Hill won the Hambo, I convinced Brian that he had a chance to make history if he could win with Schooner. No driver had ever won the Hambo and the Oaks the same year, and sure enough, he came through. We have used many of the up-and-coming drivers over the years, and with Dave Miller available to drive our fillies in the Jughead, it was a perfect fit. The first year I had entered a filly in the Jughead, we chose Dave to drive just straight Kate. What a thrill it was to have a winner the first time you have a horse racing in such a prestigious race. It was a no-brainer the next year when we dropped Eternity's Delight in the same race and we asked David to drive her. Sure enough, he made it two consecutive years that we had a winner. Later, Dave asked, or rather Jim asked David to drive Broadway Donna in a qualifier. Wherever that filly goes, I'm going with her. History has shown that he made the right move. She became trotting filly of the year two years in a row with his handling her. Thank you very much, Mr. Page. I accompany, I told you about that. And then there is one other fellow, Dave Elwell, my farm manager, my teacher and son in extended family. He and his able crew have taught me for over 25 years the right way to operate a horse farm, the proper way to raise horses, the important way to operate a farm the way to drive and maintain farm equipment, the way to treat associates on the farm, foal newborn babies, medicate mares when they get sick, and most important, how to take care of those who have made my success possible. Dave hasn't given up teaching me about horses, farms and the like, and I guess he never will. I would be remiss if I neglected the one person who is responsible for my standing here this evening, and that is my wife, Arlene, who made all of this possible, since she was the one who purchased the horse farm, the one who motivated me, who motivated me by stating after I sold my drug chain and came home, dear, I will not let you retire to nothing. I'm sure she is up there someplace, looking down, smiling as she always did, and enjoy the evening. Thank you very much. Put on the pinky on the other side. There you go. Okay. Put it, well, wait a minute. Give me your hand. Yeah, there you go. Okay. Good speech, too, Joe. Very good. Thank you. Congratulations. Jules, Jules. What? 
the box. Thank you. I need the box. <laughs> Excuse me. Right. Now we move on to the Living Horse Hall of Fame, the Broodmare Division. Hollywood Hayden, would you please come forward for those presentations? Scare me from that side. Thanks, Roger. Thank you, Roger. Time for the Living Horse Hall of Fame broodmares. Let's start it off with Sweet Future. Sweet Future was bred by the Uptown Stable and was sold on April 15th back in 1998 in Creamers, New Jersey, currently owned by Burnham Wood Farms. Progeny that qualified Sweet Future for the Hall of Fame are 2011 Dan Patch winning Pacing Cult of the Year and 2014 Dan Patch Pacer of the Year, Older Pacer of the Year, World Champion Sweet Lou, almost $3.5 million. He's got six consecutive sub-48 wins. That record still stands by Yankee Cruiser. And two-time Breeders' Crown winning World Champion Better Sweet, almost $2.8 million by Better's Delight. To date, Sweet Future has produced five fillies and seven cults one of which missed a head last night for half a million Nutcracker Sweet with 10 starters from 10 foals of racing age and total earnings over $7 million. Let's say hello to Seth Rosenfeld representing Burnham Wood Farms, the owner of Sweet Future, to accept the award. Thanks, Holly. It's a lot of fun. It's great, great to be introduced by Holly. Uh, I've known him for longer than we both care to admit, I'm sure. Um, and he's so up to date, he even had last night's race results in there. Um, can't, can't hear me? Oh, um, oh. <laughs> very good. Uh, this is a lot of fun. A Sweet Future is a daughter of a, the first filly I ever bought at public auction. I'll keep it brief, it's a, it's a crazy story, but the way I ended up with her as a broodmare is we sold her for the grand uh, sum of $6,000 and she wasn't paid for. And five months later, Dave Mears went and retrieved her <laughs> to, to settle the bill. And that's how I ended up with her. So it just shows you more than anything in this business, you really do need to get lucky. And I'm really happy. A lot of people who've been so important to her, uh, Dave is here and his daughter, Julie, Chris Coyle, and his wife, Georgia, Mark Flaherty, and of course, Joelle Arnold, and uh, uh, thank you all, and uh, it's a great honor. Okay, now for our second broodmare. How about Gayla Dream? Fold April 6, 2001, Cream Ridge, New Jersey. Currently owned by Hanover Shoe Farms. The progeny that qualified Gayla Dream for the Hall of Fame are 2013 Dan Patch, O'Brien Two-Year-Old Trot and Cult of the Year, and 2014 Dan Patch, Three-Year-Old Trot and Cult of the Year, World Champion Father Patrick. 150 and 2, over $2.5 million. He's the son of Cantab Hall. And 2010 Dan Patch, two-year-old trot and cult of the year, Pastor Stephen, 52-4 winner, over a million also by Cantab Hall. To date, 
Gala Dream has produced one filly and eight colts with eight starters from eight foals of racing age and earnings over $3.99 million. Let's say hello and bring up Jim Simpson representing Hanover Shoe Farm, the owner of Gala Dream, to accept the award. Hollywood, you left me with nothing left to say other than uh, when George Siegel called us about the package that uh, he had to offer for us, uh, the broodmares, along with Gala Dream, I couldn't resist. We made a deal, and it's it's been great. Okay, now time for the Living Horse Hall of Fame Stallions. How about Cantab Hall? Read by Walnut Hall Limited, and he was the fourth consecutive number one ranked experimental hall horse on the list, following Banker Hall, Andover Hall, Broadway Hall, and Cantab Hall, and Birdo Stable. Trotter Cantab Hall was sold on January 20th back in 2001 in Lexington, Kentucky. He was purchased by Gerfine, Ron Gerfine, for a partnership that included Brittany Farms and Jerry Silva at the 2002 Tatus Hall's sale for $310,000 a sales topper. Trained by Gerfine and driven by Michael Chance, Cantab Hall raced in 2003, where he became the only two-year-old ever voted Trotter of the Year, 10 for 10, and 2004, earning over a million for a life. As a stallion, Cantab Hall was a leading trotting sire for three consecutive years, 2012 through 14, as well as the last two, which say 2016 and 17, which had winners of over 75 million to date, with eight millionaires, including Father Patrick, Wild Honey, Explosive Matter, Uncle Peter, and Pastor Stephen. As a broodmare sire, Cantab Hall sired the dams of the winners of over 16 million, with two millionaires, Hamiltonian, runner-up Southland Frank, and Ariana G. Representing the Cantab Hall Syndicate, Jim Simpson will receive the award for Cantab Hall. There's a saying in, in the racing business I've heard for many times, if they won't fight with you, they won't fight for you. Cantab Hall is a really tough guy. Uh, we can't keep him in a stall. We had to build a shed out in the field for him and where he lives 24-7. If you put him in a stall, he'll tear it down or, or tear himself up. Uh, so he's tough, and that's a reason he's a great sire. Sir. And last but far from least is uh, Western Ideal. Today is Sunday, and Tuesday night I talked to Michael Chance, now retired with 69,000 career drives plus. He told me in his entire career the most beautiful horse he ever drove was Western Ideal. Bred by Brittany Farm, world champion pacer, was sold May 23, 1995 in Versailles, Kentucky, and raced in 97, 99, and 2000, missing his three-year-old year. As a five-year-old in 2000, trained by Brett Pelling, driven by Michael Chance, Western Ideal won the Breeders' Crown, the Hort Memorial, Canadian Pacing Derby, and the Graduate. 
In his Breeders' Crown victory, Western Ideal set a world record 148 flat for a five-year-old and older standardbred on the mile track. He was voted 2000 Dan Patch Older Pacer of the Year. As a stallion, Western Ideal has sired winners of over 124 million, with 12 millionaires to date. They include the 2005 Horse of the Year and Hall of Fame Immortal Rock and Roll Hanover, Vintage Master, Crispy Apple, Western Ace, Dial or No Dial, Art Speak, and Big Jim. Western Ideal has sired three sub-48 pacers. The first three-year-old to do it, American Ideal, Art Speak, and Luck Be With You. As a broodmare sire, Western Ideal has sired the dams of winners of over $58 million to date with five millionaires. McWicked, who won last night in the Franklin. O'Brien Horse of the Year State Treasurer, Fear the Dragon, See You at Peelers, and Solar Sister. Representing the Western Ideal Syndicate, Jim Simpson will receive the award here for Western Ideal. George Siegel, Russell Williams, and myself syndicated a Western Ideal uh, somewhere in New Jersey, like Il Villaggio, and it, it took about 25 minutes. Uh, a handshake, and we had the deal done, and the horse is 23 now, and we haven't uh, had any problems. George did ask me one day at Harrisburg, can we do such and such with uh, Western Ideal? And I said, I don't know. What's the syndicate agreement say? And he said, I don't know. I've never read it. Uh, it's... Uh, We've had a great relationship both with Cantab Hall and Western Ideal, Western Hanover, and many others. I just can't thank him enough for all he's done for us. Now time for the Communicators Hall of Fame. Ed Teefee, would you come forward, please, for the introduction of the 2018 Communicators Hall of Fame inductee, Carl Becker. Thank you, Roger. Carl asked me to do this in Orlando. And I was obviously very honored to do it. And then two or three weeks later, I get 20 pages of highlights. So after talking to Janet and Chris, I've condensed it. So it wasn't my doing, Carl. I've been told to keep it a little brief. Before I get into my prepared remarks, so at our table tonight, we've got Irv Miller, daughter Hannah, who was honored earlier tonight. But also with us is Irv's mother. Anna May from Arthur, Illinois. So let's give her a big hand. I heard a story about Irv Miller that I can't pass up, and this wasn't in my prepared remarks, but uh, Carl told me one time that uh, Irv's dad, Marvin, worked for him at Fair Meadow Farms, helped him with the breeding operation, and Marvin, Irv's dad, always liked to train a couple of horses, so Carl would buy a horse or two at the Delaware, Ohio sale, bring them home. Marvin would do the work around the farm. In his spare time, he'd train a horse or two. So in the early 80s, 
Marvin Miller said, Carl, I'd like my boy to be able to train one of these horses. And Carl had bought a horse the week before at Delaware, Ohio, for all of 750 Carl, I don't know Marvin Miller's son from Adam. Didn't even know his name. But he's thinking, this is going to be a waste of time. So comes around to county fair time, Marvin Miller goes to Carl Becker and says, hey, I need the eligibility papers on that horse. Carl's thinking, oh, my, why, why? Well, Irv wants to start the horse at the Marshall Fair, the first on the Illinois circuit. Carl's thinking, wow, I announced there. This is going to be embarrassing. The horse threw the seven hole. And uh, lo and behold, the horse gets away seventh, pulls it to half, circles the whole field, comes the last half of the minute, and wins the race. So now, Irv Miller, Carl takes credit for your career. <laughs> nice to have you here. Carl Becker comes from a generation of Hornet Horse people whose biggest days of the year were Christmas, Easter, maybe a wedding anniversary, and the day the sires and dams arrived in the mail. Not necessarily in that order. Carl graduated from the University of Illinois and was a top individual in his senior class of ag majors and won the top individual award in an international cattle judging competition while at the U of I. Soon after that, he parlayed his judging ability to pick the local pageant queen, Bonnie, as his wife. They have three very accomplished sons. John's a fire chief, an EMT, and a successful businessman. Chris was an award-winning pianist at the University of Illinois who went on to place in international competitions. And Kurt, who followed in his dad's footsteps, has announced, as you all know, throughout the country and is the only announcer ever at the renowned Keeneland Racecourse. He's done all that while working at the major thoroughbred and standardbred sales as a pedigree reader on the NASCAR circuit and at the Barrett-Jackson Auto Auctions. Carl Becker continues to be a major breeder through his Fair Meadow Farm, maintaining 50 to 100 mares for decades. He has also always been an active participant in lobbying on behalf of the sport, having served as president and chairman of the board of the Illinois Standard Bread Owners and Breeders Association and as a member of the Illinois Harness Horsemen's Association Hall of Fame. Carl has called the Grand Circuit races at the Red Mile, Springfield, DeCoin, and Indianapolis for decades. He's a man who called Niatroses, Maclobells, and Pine Chips world records, and Burgermeister's memorable Hamiltonian win. The list goes on and on. Horses coming from everywhere, just one of the many phrases he coined with his distinguished voice and enthusiasm. Carl would call a Hamiltonian to coin on Saturday and show up at the small Painted Tri-County Fair on Sunday with the same fervor. Carl just doesn't call a race, he describes it. He can introduce everyone in the winner's circle. He knows the dam of the dam of the winner. He can tell a story about the town that the parade marshal came from. He informs and he's always entertained. He has and continues to read pedigrees at the highest level throughout the country. But two days after Lexington, he's liable to be in Kelowna, Iowa, displaying that same talent. I love the guy, even though he's an unabashed Republican, and I consider myself a Democrat. At Harrisburg one year, he took me to see Sean Hannity at the Hilton. Luckily, I drink, Carl doesn't, and I was tipsy enough to survive that, and so has our friendship. Carl helped develop my passion for harness racing, and I know he has created passion in multitudes of others. It hasn't stopped even today for Carl, no longer needing to wait for the sires and dams or the yearbook to come out. 
We share very generous pathways and standard Canada accounts, and the queries run out monthly with at least a week to go. I've talked to Carl a couple of times a week for over 40 years. I still remember how starstruck I was decades ago when he first introduced me to people like Stan Bergstein, Carl Allen, Phil Tully, John Cashman, and many others. His talent, dedication, loyalty, and hard work has been demonstrated throughout his lifetime of dedication to the sport. There's no doubt that Carl Becker is a true Hall of Famer. Thank you, Ed. I'm just a touch disappointed. I wanted to be introduced in Swedish. Norwegian would have worked. Ed is able to say nothing in seven different languages. Now, it has been a great trip. And uh, as a kid, when I was 12, 13, 14, I did play-by-play -play softball for our local men's league. At that point, I knew I was the next Harry Carey of the St. Louis Baseball Cardinals. I had no doubt, no doubt in my mind that I would be anywhere besides the announcer for the Cardinals. Well, I have not been invited to Cooperstown, but I have been invited to Goshen. And for all of you who made that possible, a sincere thank you. Ed mentioned the county affairs, which I do have a passion for. In fact, I did one Friday at Newton, Illinois at the Jasper County Fair. I've done 50 years plus. I've been going to the county fairs for 70 years plus. And Friday morning at Aldemont, Illinois, the, the heat index was 105 to 110. So my wife, Bonnie, says, you're going to a fair today? I said, yeah. She said, uh, you realize what the heat index is? I said, no. She said, well, you know, I don't know why you keep doing that. You're not 25 anymore. Well, I knew that. She said, uh, can't you get somebody else to go? I said, no. She said, why do you want to go? I said, because I love the fairs and I like to watch the Colts race. She said, I think you've got county fair derangement syndrome. Well, I don't know what that is, and I don't think I've got it. Uh, and I, I, so I ignored her. Not to the point where you could tell that I was ignoring her, but I went to the fair, had a great day. Dirk Simpson, who's over here at our table, his father, Buddy, who's 88, won the two-year-old trot that day. Dirk hails from Fairfield, home of a lot of great horsemen. His father, Buddy, in the Hall of Fame. So made me feel good to see Buddy win at 88. Same country where Leo Burns raced all of those races, winning at 96. Remember that? New York Times, front page, story, Leo Burns, 96, winning at a county fair. Backing up to Ed's mention of Fair Meadow Farm, we began the farm in 1980, and at that point, struggling, not knowing for sure what we were doing, had a couple contact me. They said, we're leaving the breeding operation down at Graham's. We're going to start a public stable. We've got two or three months we could help you if you need help. I said, okay. So they came to work 
Only problem was they had a kid with them, a boy, their son, who was a nuisance. Always in the way, you know, getting here, getting there, wanting to help with the horses, <clears throat> wanting to water them, wanting to drag the hay bales down the aisle. So we put up with it. Well, a couple was Pete and Donna Alanya. The kid was Tony Alanya. Then later, as Ed hinted, Marvin Miller contacted me, said, I think I can help you. So he came down. Every day he came to work at the farm. His son, Andy, who was 13 years old, 13, trained horses at the fairgrounds adjacent to the farm. And little Andy would go work those horses, come over and help at the farm after he trained. And this went on for a couple of years. Irvin, and Irvin, man, I had confidence in you. That, I don't know where that story came from. I knew the moment I saw Irvin, I knew this guy can do it. So I told Marvin, I said, get Irvin to train that thing. But seriously, I got to tell you one Irvin Miller story. Don't ever get in a mind game with this guy. About 12 years ago, I bought a filly or a mare at Chick's Sale out at Harrington, Delaware. And I knew Irvin had trained her at one time when she was in Illinois. She should have paced in 57, 58, which was okay where she was going. But the people that took her for me couldn't get her to beat 212. She just loved 212. So I thought, oh, brother. So I, I ran into Irvin at the state fairgrounds. I said, Irvin, you won't remember this mare because you've had 400 at least since you've had her. Several Breeders' Crown winners, several Colt Stake champions at the top level. I said, her name is Mystical Smile, and I thought she might have a, a, an equipment card. So Irvin said, oh, I, don't, I don't need to look for an equipment card. Yeah, I said, I remember her real well. And he goes through this parody of what she wore, hobble length, the whole bit. And he said, oh, yeah, and uh, your blacksmith to put used shoe on, on behind because it died. And within three weeks, she'd won twice, including a win at the Illinois State Fair. So after that, I, I couldn't believe it. How could a guy, after all these horses, without looking at a piece of paper, without an equipment card, rattle off all of those figures? He did. So if Irvin was to take you on in a, in a game that requires a lot of thinking, stay out. You will be second at the best. Later came the Tetrix. As you know, the Tetrick name is one of the most famous at harness racing. And they, uh, these kids grew up, too, down in our area at Fairfield. The uh, oldest of the Tetrick boys, Timmy, was a real promoter. So they would go to the county fairs, four of them in particular, and they would take their ponies. I think Timmy was 10, Trace probably five or six, they brought in Jared Finn, who was about the age of Tim, and a couple of other little kids. So Timmy would come up, and he would tell me, we're going to have a pony race after the last race. People want to see it, and it's all go. And you've got to stay and announce it. Now that's why these guys aren't ever going to be jockeys. So sure enough, they get those ponies lined up, and they'd come fogging down through there just really going. And we're talking about riding, not driving, riding. And uh, they did that repeatedly until we got to the Jasper County Fair at Newton, same place I was Friday. 
So Tim comes up and he says, "Yeah, we got a we got a girl that wants to ride." He said, "She's Jared's cousin. I think her name was Sandy Finn." He said, "We got to let her ride, or she'll ball all afternoon." So you know the rest of the story. They break from the start. Sandy gets back two lengths, but I see looking ahead at the ground ahead of him, which you have to do when they come down the stretch like that. Here comes Sandy. One of those deals where now fifth, now fourth, now third, now second. I thought, why? It's Sandy. So that was the end of the pony races. Those guys didn't want to race ponies anymore because Sandy just whooped them. So later, I ran into, well, not, not ran into, I was doing the, the uh, Winter Circle interview at the Indiana State Fair. I'm sorry, it was at Indiana Downs. So Trace had just won a $200,000 race. And I said, Trace, you probably remember the pony races? Yeah. I said, remember the one in Newton? No. I said, remember when the girl beat you guys at Newton? Nope. Didn't remember a thing about it, nothing. With all those people listening, I thought this was a great story. I thought he'd say, yeah, yeah, we got beat. No, he didn't. No, he didn't remember. So I talked to Tim about that at, down in Florida. He said, Trace never remembers a race he gets beat in. But it happened, and of course, uh, they aren't raising ponies any, uh, anymore. I'd like to mention, too, that we did have another young man that showed up at the Effingham County Fair one year. And he, uh, after the races, which he had won a race that day, he said, I'd like to work for the Midwest Speed Sale Company. That was a company we had at Springfield. We sold horses in the goat barn, so you know about where that went. And I thought, wow, I, I can't take on a young guy like this. So later, this young guy turned out to be Bruce Brinkerhoff, who is one of the most recognized salespeople today in the country. So sometimes my judgment wasn't real clear on those young, young guys that came up and came, and came through. But they certainly did, did uh, make life interesting. As Ed mentioned, the announcing, the Illinois State Fair, then came Indiana, then DuCoin, then the Red, uh, Red Mile, for years, was a way to see all of those great horses. And I really, really got the best of the sport by being able to do that. Sales. Some great sales stories out there. We've retold some of them tonight. The uh, one of the first guys I met when I came east to work a sale was Bob Bonney. He was with Pine Hollow Farm at Pine Bush. He and Morty Finder. I met him at the very onset of my sale experience. And I want to tell you, this man is so good for the business. Such a great friend, and I really am proud to know Bob Bonnie. Bob, where is There are a few bumps in the road. I've sold, I've worked as, as the pedigree reader. Every single Ohio breeder sale that's ever been held, I almost couldn't make that statement. One year, we were selling at Scioto in the paddock, and it was a steamy, hot day. I mean, it was just sweltering. Made the day look uh, like a wind chill came through. So there was no air moving that night in the paddock, and it was 
very, very tough night. So here came this guy up from Sabra Farms, and uh, he had turned in a statement about his, his yearling, a vet statement. So when that yearling came through, I, there were two vet statements. They were identical, except one was from Ohio State and one from the local vet. So due to the heat, Bart Glass had told us, be sure to roll these things. Don't, don't tarry, don't sell anybody short, but we can't spend a lot of time with this heat. So I read the statement from Ohio State, and I saw at that point, auctioneer started to sell, I saw a streak coming up from out in the crowd. I thought, uh-oh, that guy's headed my, my way. So here came this guy. He says, uh, say, he said, there were two vet statements on that horse. I said, yeah. He said, well, you just read one. I said, well, we're supposed to move on. One was from Ohio State. I thought it might be more significant, so I read it. He said, look, I didn't pay vets to write statements for you to ignore them. And for the only, <laughs> only time, I think, reading those pedigrees or announcing races, I lost it. It was so hot, sweat in my eyes. I said, look, if you know how to do this job that well, maybe you should come up here and I need to go sit there where you're sitting. Said, oh, man, Donald Trump, I, I know you're feeling, man. It was out. I couldn't get it back. I thought, oh, I wish I hadn't said that. So I saw this guy go make a direct beeline to... Bart Glass, the sales general manager, and I thought, this isn't good. So I said to the auctioneer, who was that guy anyway from Sabra Farms? Well, he said, you'll be inter interested in knowing that's Marvin Gross, who is a GM and CEO, owner of Sabra Farms. Oh, and he said, by the way, he's also the president of the Ohio breeders who we're selling for. I thought, oh, man, this gets worse. So was, that was near the end of the sale. And when that sale was over, I don't know what the record is in Ohio for the 100-meter dash, but I know I've got it done officially because I shot to his barn and came in the door apologizing. Marvin was, <laughs> was leaned against the wall. He said, calm down. He said, young man, you're all right. He said, uh, I went and talked to Mr. Glass. I, I thought, I know that. That's why I'm here. And he said, he told me you were just doing your job. He wanted you to roll things as quickly as you could. So he said, we're all right. So you never know. But later, Marvin and I became good friends. When he dispersed his, his horses at Delaware, he asked Jerry Hawes if the old gray-haired guy could read some of the pedigrees. So that one worked out. They don't always. That one did. But I did learn a pretty good lesson there, and it hasn't happened since, unless it happens tonight. Uh, and, and I do appreciate the fact that those sales have been such an interesting situation. I work for Stan Bergstein, who most of you know, one of the most intellectual men I've ever been around. Stan had a lot of stories. I don't know if you recall, but he used to be the roadman for the Globetrotters, so he had some real tales from those days. And he also told the story about the time that he went up to the Triborough Bridge I think 14 lanes, and he said he got in one lane, got up there, the, the booth was closed. He got in another lane, wicked his way through traffic, horns honking, people swearing. He said he finally found an open lane. Now, mind you, he did that Friday night show at Roosevelt, and he said when he got in this final lane and he got to the ticket booth, he said, I really unloaded on that 
on that toll taker. He said, I told him, tell the Port Authority to take this, tell the governor to take this and tell your mayor. This guy listened. He said, okay, all right, Mr. Bergstein, I will. Stands at 14 lanes. I picked the only one. to stand. Then later in his career, and I wouldn't tell this story except I know it tickled Stan, we were selling Lanolo Bell uh, sale at Liberty Bell. And before, what's the one with the, with the band? And we had uh, noticeable young ladies carrying the drinks around. It was quite a production. So as I went up to start the sale, Stan had his hearing aid laid out. I thought, that's not a very good sign, is it? And he was pounding it. And uh, anyway, he said, oh, I said, this, I changed batteries, but he said, I've got a buzz in this thing. He said, I, I can't get it to straighten up. So we started the sale, but the third cold in was one of those that never quits nickering. So Stan said, who'll give 10,000? Colt nickered. He said, got it. Now 12.5. Colt nickered. Got it. Now 15. Colt nickered. Got it. He said, sold. And I saw Paul Z. Martin, uh, the old bid spotter who some of you might remember, doubled over. He's pounding his knees. He was laughing. He Stan said, okay. He said, who's got the bid? Paul said, the horse. The horse has got the bid. He's had all three of them. He's the only bidder. So, so Stan said, uh, <clears throat> ladies and gentlemen, we have an ineligible bidder on this animal, so we're going to start over. So there are a lot of sales stories, most of them good. And I appreciate and thank each of those sales companies that have hired me during the years. And I know that I don't want to leave anybody out, so hopefully that will not happen. But there have been so many. I know that uh, Randy Mangus was here earlier. He and David Reed, of course, operate the Lexington Selected. My thanks, too, to Murray and to Dr. Spears, to Dale. And to Jimmy, for the many years I did the uh, standardbred horse sale at Harrisburg, one of the great experiences ever. Blooded horse sale at Delaware. Jerry and Billy Haas, appreciate you. Also, the Ohio sales, Moss Barters from Midland Acres, have been so good. And Dr. John, Jay, families, thank you. And two, Alan Levitt with his Lanlow Bell sales, his farm sales, and all of the others that he put on. Frank Chick, Harrington, Delaware. Patty Guyra up in Michigan. The Martins in Minnesota, fairly new sale. Tom Fallhaber from the Old Glory sale. And of course, earlier we mentioned Steve Cross from the Hoosier Classic Yearling sale. And Steve has been so good and so loyal and such a great friend and he is one of the rising stars in this business so on behalf of my family thank you so much for this honor as i said i'll never forget it i treasure it greatly and i'll see you at the next county fair if Bonnie lets me go.
Roger, thank you for all that. That was a great introduction. Florida, I couldn't get over it. And I appreciate you. Great. I want to be your friend from here on. I'd like to call now to the podium Gary Forster to introduce the 2018 Communicator Hall of Fame inductee, Dave Briggs. Thank you, Roger. First off, on behalf of all the Canadians here today, I'd like to wish everyone a happy Canada Day. It's my pleasure to be here on the day that Dave Briggs is inducted into the Communicator's Corner of the Hall of Fame. Dave's journey to this great honour began back in 1995 when he joined the Canadian Sportsman. Dave had come to me highly recommended by an instructor in the graduate journalism program at the University of Western Ontario in London, who at the time told me, there's something about this guy that just makes him stand out from everyone else in the class. And tonight, we realize once again, as we have many times over the years, how prophetic those words were. When I hired Dave, uh, he had uh, no previous exposure to horse racing other than the fact that his parents lived a couple blocks away from Windsor Raceway. While he may have been an unknown to sportsman readers at the time, it didn't take long for them to become very familiar with the name Dave Briggs. It was June 7, 1995, when Dave's name first appeared in the Sportsman, with no less than nine bylines in that issue. His first feature followed a couple of weeks later with the story on Linda and Lee DeVizer, the breeders and owners of one of Dave's favorite horses, Jenna's Beach Boy. Another landmark for Dave was in April of 2000 when he penned his initial last call column, which over the years became a must read for everyone in the business as Dave put forth his thoughts on the state of the industry and the many issues facing it, often providing a editor at the Sportsman and continuing on now with Harness Racing Update, Dave has had the opportunity to work with many talented people, many of whom are here tonight. But there are four that I would like to acknowledge. There are the iconic photographic images by Dave Landry, who himself will be inducted into the Canadian Horse Racing Hall of Fame next month. And the sight of the two Daves has certainly been a common one uh, at racetracks and farms everywhere over the years. Internationally recognized sports photographer Klaus Anderson was also a big part of Dave's sportsman uh, family, as well as a team of outstanding writers, including Lauren Lee, herself a multiple award winner, who is also here tonight to share in Dave's induction. And the pictures and words all came together in eye-popping fashion by our graphic designer, Deanne Penny. Dave's body of work has long served as a benchmark for quality journalism in the racing industry. The 20-some awards, including 11 Hervé Awards won by Dave, stand as testament to Dave's unique ability to tell a compelling story through the written word. 
and that quality of product continues today at Harness Racing Update under Dave's leadership, and I have no doubt that the best of Dave's work is yet to come. Through all of this, Dave has remained a humble individual, a friend, a person held in high esteem by his peers, a great family man, and a man who has deep passion and love for harness racing, its people, and equine athletes. The voters could not have selected a better candidate to join the communicators corner of the Hall of Fame, and I congratulate Dave, his wife Laura, their children Moira, Liam, and Aaron on this tremendous accomplishment. Uh, thank you very much, Gary. And he actually, this, this is going to be good news because it's hot, but Gary covered like about half of what I was going to say. So that's great. But I'll, I'll, I'll hit the highlights, which, 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 which for me always uh, begins and ends with my family. I'm extremely proud of them. They're all here tonight. So they made the journey from Canada to be here. So couldn't be happier. Uh, uh, my amazing wife, Laura, and the three kids we've raised together. Uh, we, we have a common thing. I mean, they have... A, a, Teachers always say to us, um, your kids are very different. And, you know, they get one in a class and then the next one come along and they're all very different. They all have pieces of both of us. And I, and I couldn't be prouder that Moira has picked up my love of, of, of writing and English and words. And Liam has picked up my love of sports and the Detroit Tigers. And, and this is going to kill the Ohio State people in here. But uh, the Michigan Wolverines, how about a little bit about that? Go Blue. We don't get enough Michigan Wolverines anymore at these these banquets, so I had to throw that in. Uh, and 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 Aaron, who has a great passion for for music and 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 movies, and Bill Murray and these kind of things that I love. So so they're they're a joy to be around all the time. I don't tell them I'm proud enough, proud of them enough, and I'd like to do that tonight. So, that, uh, you know, the other thing that Gary mentioned is the other family I have had is. couldn't have worked with better, more talented people. And Gary gave us all the uh, freedom basically to, to, to do it the way we saw best to do it. And that was a tremendous thing for a lot of young people. And um, you know, this guy right here, he mentioned it, so I'll just do it quickly. I, I couldn't be happier that they're going to induct Dave Landry into the Canadian Horse Racing Hall of Fame uh, this August. Um, he makes everything I've ever done 10 times better. Um, because it's a package and Deanne and, 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 and these are great friends to this day. And for Lauren to make the trip down uh, was a tremendously great surprise. So I want to thank Gary for making that happen. So, um, you know, harness racing update is the second act um, thrilled with it and, and love it uh, and, and, and hope we can do better things with it and carry it on. Um, you know, being Canadian is really important to me, but also the fact that there are very few Canadians in the Communicators Hall of Fame means a tremendous deal to me. Uh, I grew up in the shadow of Detroit, big fan of going there as a kid for everything, uh, sports, concerts. Um, you know, we were just there Thursday. As a matter of fact, we went to a Tigers game on Thursday. Um, so feel sorry for me for that. Um, and, you know, so I've always considered myself a little bit of a hybrid. So the United States has always been an important part of my life. And to be in this particular communicators hall of fame means more than I can probably express properly here tonight. Um, 
there's there's a few other people. I mean, it, it, there's some some stories told tonight that I think are interesting. Jules Siegel mentioned golfing with John Campbell. I've had the good fortune to do that and had a very similar result. Um, I had a great opportunity to make one of the greatest golf shots of all time. Unfortunately, it was to hit a ball basically backwards into a giant piece of farm machinery uh, for taking care of the golf course and totally embarrassing myself in front of John. And basically, uh, you know, he was, he, he, he was, as John always is, uh, tremendously good about that. Uh, the other name that came up from Carl is, is Stan Bergstein. Stan Bergstein meant a lot to me as well. Um, I considered him one of my mentors along with Gary and had the great privilege near the end of his life to get to know him a little bit better. And, and, and one of the great sad things, but wonderful things for me was being asked to write his obituary. So that has always meant a tremendous amount to me because I know, you know, his impact here being the only, only person inducted in the communicators hall and the regular living now immortal hall of fame, uh, it is, you know, everybody knows the contribution Stan made to the sport. So that to have been taken a little bit under his wing meant a tremendous amount to me. So, you know, it's, it's this, this, this is all pretty hard to process, but it's been a long, hot night. So if I left anybody out, I apologize, but thank you very, very, very much. It means so much to me. Nine thirty-two. That's a mighty good number, and you might bet it in the lottery tomorrow. Nine three two. That's it for 2018. Mark it on the calendar right now. Next Hall of Fame day here in Goshen, Sunday, July the seventh, 2019. Thanks for coming, and don't forget, July the seventh, 2019. Be Stay here I know